Welcome to WGWG.org. I'm Nikki Bliss Carroll, and I'm joined in the studio today by U.S. Army Chaplain Matt Weathers and his lovely bride, Corey Weathers. And the Weathers are a pretty special family to Gardner-Webb. They're both alums of this wonderful university. And most recently, uh, Corey has been named the uh, Armed Forces Insurance National Military Spouse of the Year. Did I get that right? That's really close. That's Armed yes. Forces. The 2015 Armed Forces Insurance Military Spouse AFI. of the Year. I knew AFI, and then <laughs> I thought, oh, I wrote the press release on this. Can I remember what it was? A, But um, I feel like that's a great place to begin because there are some really phenomenal women that are honored through each branch every year. And their involvement in and their um, the way that they embrace military life is kind of what's honored in how they support their spouse in the process of this crazy thing called military life. Um, and Corey, just the fact that you're from Gardner-Webb, I know that we, um, we were really excited when you were named the, uh, the Army Branch mm-hmm. winner. But then to go on and, and be named you know, kind of the the top of the pick as far as all of the branches and all these wonderful ladies that were recognized this year. Walk me through that process, what that was like, and then how it validates the work that you and Matt do together. Yeah, so it's been an incredible year. I can definitely say that. Um, The Military Spouse of the Year program is every year, um, anyone, whether it's a friend, a spouse, a community member can nominate a military spouse for the significant work that she's done or he. There's a lot of male spouses out there. And so this past year, we had about 1,600 nominations. And so like you said, there's a series of voting and and certain boards and panels that meet that take a look at what have these spouses accomplished in in each branch. Um, And I did get Army Spouse of the Year and, and was so honored to be among the other branch winners, the Marine Spouse of the Year, Navy, Coast Guard, National Guard, um, Air Force, just to be, to get to know them. Because in the Army, we're an Army family. And so we don't often get to have um, great relationships or intermingling with Mm -hmm. other branches because you're often stationed Mm -hmm. with your branch. And so getting to meet some of these other branch winners was really amazing to see what they've accomplished and done. And so that went on to the voting process to win the overall military spouse of the year and there's a whole bit board and panel that goes into that including the joint chief wives of each branch that vote and so what it was a significant moment in may to be um, chosen as that it's it's supposedly representing 1.1 million military spouses that are out there and of course i can't represent um, everybody from every branch but really it just gives me the opportunity to continue our ministry and continue our desire to reach military marriages, which is really what what we've been doing. Right. And so you asked, what is it that we've been doing that got me to this point? And really, I could not have done that without my husband. Mm-hmm. We, from the very beginning, he, from the very beginning, saw us as a team. And from the second we came in to the military, I remember when he first introduced us and it was this is my wife and you're getting us as a team. Mm. And so much of our his job as a chaplain, but also me working through trying to figure out how to have a career as a professional counselor has been how do we work together as a team to reach these military families and really serve them. And so it's really been a creative process over the years. And some of those times have been with me working a job. And a lot of those times have been me volunteering where I couldn't get a job. Mm-hmm. And so whether it was 
uh, working for military couples who are struggling with the challenges that the military lifestyle brings into their marriage, or whether it's walking a new military wife through being a widow, a sudden widow from losing her soldier. It's really just been how do we do life with these military family members and minister to them and what can we as a team bring to them? Right. And that's kind of what got me to this point. Um, and there's a lot of other things that we've done too, creating a, a marriage ministry and curriculum right. And, right. and all of that as well. Right. So. so Matt, you were actually involved in sort of nominating this, this lovely lady to um, receive this honor. Tell me a little bit about how you kind of knew about the program and when you saw those requirements and what the what the um, you know the application process would be, what made you think, oh my girl, this is this is my girl right here, <laughs> gotta um, nominate her. Speaking of God's timing, <laughs> yeah, and God's brilliance. It was uh, it was really kind of funny because it was on the day after her birthday, January fifteenth, and I was just checking my Twitter feed, and I don't know how, but I, I wasn't following Armed Forces Insurance or Military Spouse Magazine. But it just said today is the final day to uh, announce or to nominate, sorry, um, your spouse for Military Spouse of the Year. Mm. So I thought this was a pretty simple thing. I was like, Pat on the back and a certificate. She's awesome. Yeah. Um, (laughs) We know and we practice gratitude in our marriage. And we know that marriages thrive on gratitude Mm -hmm. uh, as well as honoring one another publicly and privately. And that's Mm -hmm. one of those things that, that keeps keeps a marriage honest and growing and thriving. So this was an opportunity to, to be able to do all of that, mm-hmm. to acknowledge that we're a team and to, mm-hmm. to celebrate what she has done. Because to that point, she has done a lot of stuff volunteer. Mm-hmm. So it means a lot when she takes two professional degrees as well as a wealth of experience and expertise and brings that to volunteer for the military. Um, so that was just my thank you. I saw the tweet. I did a quick nomination. Um, I filled it up as much as possible and, you know, I was like rewriting her resume of all the amazing things and sent it off. And she gets an email that says, hey, we need more information because you've been nominated. So she spent like a whole like half a day mm-hmm. filling out that. At that point, I was like, I'm sorry. I didn't know. <laughs> Adding all this work to your plate. This was going to be a whole lot of extra stuff. So uh, she did that. Then as the process kept going on, we kind of realized, oh, this is kind of a big deal. Mm -hmm. Oh, wow. This is every step. It kind of was like, oh, this is more of a big deal until they were like, oh, in May, the branch winners or the ones that are are, uh, Mm -hmm. named for each branch um, will be asked to go to D.C. and Mm -hmm. and do all this. And I was like, oh, wow, this is like way (laughs) beyond. I thought you were just going to get a pretty little picture and certificate. But I'm okay with that. I'm okay. Let's roll with this. Uh, but she got a lot of great shoes out of the deal. Um, <laughs> New shoes. Not because, but because we had to buy them. No one gave us any shoes. I have to say that. <laughs> right. We did not receive gifts from anyone. But um, but I always like to buy her nice stuff. So anyway, right. so she got some really cute shoes. So um, through that process, I even got to see more so of how blessed I am mm. as a service member and how much she brings to, and I use military lingo, um, we talk in terms of some, somebody being a combat multiplier mm-hmm. or what they, or the value added to the team, what they bring to the fight. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I began to see uh, what what commanders had been seeing the whole time. And I had not been taking for granted, like like uh, like abusing that. But um, 
I just was like, oh, she's just awesome. I've just always seen her being awesome. Right. And everybody's out. Like, no, she really is mm-hmm. outstanding. Mm-hmm. And you guys as a team, what we thought was normal, other people just really enjoyed a whole lot. So that whole process, um, I guess it walked me into a greater, a deeper place of gratitude. And I was happy for her. But more than anything, I'm really excited about her opportunity to leverage this platform, this area, and having more of a voice Mm -hmm. to influence the care that spouses and service members are getting. And to be able to say, yes, we are doing so many things right, and here's some more things we can do. Mm -hmm. Now, Corey, I know that in some of the interviewing processes you referenced after Matt's first deployment, that that when he came back, I don't know that you. I think you said you weren't prepared for that. <laughs> oh. You know that transition mm-hmm. and and just how much things could change. Kind of yeah. let our folks know a little bit about that kind of experience and what that showed you as far as what other military families are dealing with, kind of on a day to day. Yeah. So and we share this a lot because it's our ministry to be authentic and real and um, appropriately real, mm-hmm. and so. You know, our first deployment during our first assignment out in Colorado, they prepared us that it was going to be a very difficult deployment. But it was our first few years in the military, and we really didn't know what that really means. I, I think we thought that um, all deployments are difficult. And most are, some are, but ours was significantly difficult. And we lost a lot of really great soldiers. And um, one battle in particular, we lost eight in two hours. And... Um, and that was really difficult for both of us for different reasons. And um, the last conversation before that battle, the last conversation I had had with Matt on the phone is that he was trying very hard to get out to his soldiers um, at that particular um, area that was very difficult to get to and that he was determined to get out there. Now, he's a chaplain and chaplains don't carry weapons. In Mm -hmm. fact, they have a chaplain assistant that protects them. Mm -hmm. And so when I was notified that there's a battle going on because I was um, a care team coordinator, which basically is if there is a soldier that's lost in combat, then I go to that spouse's house and sit with her until family members or, or whoever can get there. And so I was often told when something significant was going on before other spouses would find out. Mm -hmm. And so, of course, when they called me, the last time I had heard from him was that he was on his way there. Mm -hmm. So um, that being said, the the whole deployment itself was extremely difficult. And so when he came home, we both were different. I had had a toddler, two small boys that I was taking care of. I was way far away from family. um, And I had to become confident and strong and trust my judgment on everything from whether or not I should take the boys to McDonald's that day or whether or not I could make a significant decision to purchase a car because I had wrecked the car. Mm-hmm. I mean, you you change a lot as an individual when you suddenly have to do everything by yourself and you can't just pick up the phone and call your soldier. Mm-hmm. You just have to wait for them to call you. Mm-hmm. And so he came back different too because as he often says, as a chaplain especially, there was times that he was walking hand in hand with death. Mm-hmm. whether it was walking a soldier through his grieving process, whether it was dealing with the bodies of his friends, whether it was um, being shot at himself. You know, there was just a lot of significant moments for him as well. And so he came home a different person too. And we didn't know what a lot of families don't realize is that first time you go through a reintegration is what they call it, 
when you come home and have to figure out how do we piece back together as a couple? Mm -hmm. I've had a whole year without you and I've Mm -hmm. been through these significant changes, both of us. Mm -hmm. How do you knit back together? Mm -hmm. And so he came back definitely with triggers that um, could send his mind back to the battlefield or back to the morgue or wherever it was that he was at in Afghanistan. And, and I likewise had these very emotional um, surges that I would go through of, you know, even if he would load the dishwasher a different way, it was, that's not the way you do it. This is the way I've been doing it for an entire year. Or, you know, don't move that water bottle. I've used that water bottle and put it on that nightstand in that particular place for an entire year. It, I didn't realize that water bottle became a safety net. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so you suddenly realize, wow, we have to figure out how to find a new normal. Mm-hmm. And you hear a lot of military families talk about that. How do we struggle through to find a new normal? And that was challenging for us. But I think it was our mission and our goal to figure it out so that we could help other families as well. Mm-hmm, absolutely. And Matt, would you want to weigh in on that as well? Um, it was really interesting because the things that we both seemed like we were lacking in prior to the deployment were the things that God was working or we allowed God to work on us mm-hmm. during the course of that. Mm-hmm. Anytime that we've spent time away, whether it's me going to the field for a week or two or going to a deployment for 12 months and anything in between, we kind of have a phrase, we call ourselves Team Weathers because I like coaching models and it, it mm-hmm. just makes sense. Uh, we use phrases like go team or, you know, when it's really tough, what, I hold up four fingers and say fourth quarter. We're just got to get through this moment. But one of the things that we always said was make it count. Whatever we're going through, come out better on the other side. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you're just going to be what we call marking time. And marking time is when you see soldiers that are just marching in place. They're not going anywhere, Mm -hmm. but they're putting forth effort and energy. Mm -hmm. And no one should just be marking time at any place. You should always Mm -hmm. be trying to move forward. Mm -hmm. So when I came back from the deployment, I realized that because of my, I couldn't control how I moved around the battlefield. Things were unpredictable. I was constantly having to be flexible. Mm -hmm. My inflexibility from prior to the deployment really got cured when I came back. I was really kind of fine with a lot of whatever. And yet I came back to Corey, who had had to have a structure and a, and a rigidity of life as being that, you know, a geographical single mom mm-hmm. and making those things happen. So it was interesting to see how we had both kind of flipped and how we had to get used to one another. It was nice. That was difficult. But it was nice in that we actually kind of got a chance to reinvent our relationship. Mm-hmm. And not a, not everybody gets that gives themselves mm-hmm. that opportunity to say, you're dynamic, you're a changing human, and I'm going to respect that. And out of that, I'm going to kind of evolve with you. I'm going to change and grow dynamic and we'll grow together. So Mm -hmm. it's not necessarily whether or not it's a good or a bad thing depends on who's going through it and the perspective you take into it. Mm -hmm. You know, I am sure that like with Nelson Mandela, he probably didn't want to be in prison Mm -hmm. for that entire length of time, but he made good use of it. Mm -hmm. He grew as a human and he came out on the other side better. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, being in a concentration camp, the stuff that we have from that was because he grew as a human. Viktor Frankl grew as a human in difficulty. Mm -hmm. And so we take a lot of those models and people that have said, whatever I'm going through, I'm going to come out on the other side. Like Viktor Frankl said, you know, I'm going to come out of this expecting that I'm going to teach on the psychology of surviving in a concentration camp. Mm We would have had no idea that we would be where we are today with the opportunity to minister to the families that we have to minister today back then. Mm-hmm. Um, but w- it was very, very important to us to figure out how do we move forward right now. Mm-hmm. Sometimes that's all you know to do is 
just take the next step. Don't get stuck where you are. Don't sit in that pocket for too long, but always find ways to move forward. And I think because we continued to move forward, we felt the need to create ways to help other people move forward and mm -hmm. encourage them to move forward too mm -hmm. with us. Right. It was doing life with, with them. And it's been awesome, just as she's saying, to watch people do that. I mean, a friend of mine, Cody, who was uh, an enlisted sergeant first class, he just crossed over to be an officer and he's going to physician's assistant school mm -hmm. and watching him be in a lab coat, still in the military and then coming back in to serve. Oh my gosh, that I can wake up for that. Right. Because Cody was in a, in a terrible battle that we lost mm -hmm. Tyler in. Mm -hmm. and, and even coming out of that, Cody could have said, you know what? I'm done. Mm -hmm. I'm done. I'm just mm -hmm. not going to. But the what my football coach used to call the intestinal fortitude, the courage, the, mm -hmm. the grit mm -hmm. that it takes to take whatever you're handed and go, I'm going to make something out of this. Mm -hmm. Oh, it's huge. It's inspiring. Mm -hmm. It gets my hair standing up on end. Right. Absolutely. I think it's so interesting, too, that you both um, are in roles of counseling, you as a chaplain and Corey on the home front, you know, to speak to, you know, families and spouses who are home dealing with the things you're dealing with. Um, at what point did you start to kind of connect the dots and say, huh, I really see a need and I really feel like the Lord's calling me to meet that need and me and us to meet that need, both in marriages and also just the family dynamics that you that you witness on a daily basis. Yeah, I think when I started to get a waiting list of military spouses coming to see me and part of that was because I was a military spouse and they knew I'd understand. Mm -hmm. um, but getting a waiting list of military spouses first clued me in that, wow, we have a lot of spouses that need to talk. Mm -hmm. And uh, military spouses carry such a weight at home of having it all together. I hear it every day that I can't tell my husband that I'm struggling, that I'm stressed, that I don't know if I can do all of this this week. Um, I can't be open and honest about that because he needs to be focused on the mission mm -hmm. and he, and the, the home needs to be together. And so what I found was so many spouses who for years had kind of pushed down their needs and their frustration and and a simple complaint for the day that that was seen as almost unpatriotic mm. to say, you know, that they weren't happy with the military that day seemed unpatriotic. And so they couldn't even say that. Um, so much time that had been pressed inside of them, I realized these spouses are either going to explode or they're going to implode. Mm -hmm. And it really just depends on whether or not they're an introvert or an extrovert on which one of those is going to happen. And if we don't give those spouses a voice that it's okay to talk about and be vulnerable what's going on inside but then move forward mm -hmm. that that was going to be so important to keeping their families together their marriages together and to keep them in a healthy place mm -hmm. so for me it was how do i be a voice for spouses and for our marriage ministry it was you know these soldiers need to hear a spouse perspective and i could offer that mm -hmm. without it being their spouse and it's turning into conflict mm -hmm. or an argument i could mm -hmm. at a marriage retreat say this is typically what spouses are feeling, and it would validate maybe something his spouse had said. Absolutely, absolutely. I love, I love that idea, too, of the, the wife or, or spouse feeling like, I can't say this because I don't want to give them the perception of one more thing to worry about as they're exactly. getting ready to go into a battle or a scary, life-threatening situation. Um, PTSD, I know mm -hmm. that's a, such a huge thing that people deal with, and you all may have experienced that. Do you mm -hmm. see that also being something that spouses face and Absolutely. deal with? Absolutely. I mean, that 
high intense pressure situation for a sustained amount of time. Yeah, there's a lot of research that's being done right now on whether or not spouses are getting PTSD from their experiences during the deployment at Mm -hmm. home. Mm -hmm. You know, when you're living under the constant fear of getting a knock at the door, Mm -hmm. um, when you are, you know, I wrecked my car on the Mm -hmm. highway during the Mm -hmm. deployment with the kids in it. Mm -hmm. And um, there's times when I have flashbacks to that, Mm -hmm. you know, and so PTSD isn't necessarily combat specific. And I remember, I'm pretty sure it was here at Gardner-Webb when I was taking a class in psychology and there was a book that we were having to read where it was really opening up to all these different, um, very difficult situations anybody can go through that Mm -hmm. can give you this traumatic response. Mm -hmm. That's where I realized this is not just an issue for soldiers, although I have a heart for them as well, but that a lot of our spouses um, can have these traumatic moments of, Matt and I call them, sacred spaces Mm. because there are some things that i went through that were so incredibly difficult um there we have an anniversary date of actually of that mass casualty situation Mm. and both of our bodies feel it Mm -hmm. on october 3rd Mm. when we're coming up to october 3rd our bodies start to feel Mm -hmm. that something happened five years ago Mm. and i had that rush of feeling of is my soldier okay Mm -hmm. and how do i minister to other people when I don't know if my soldier's okay or not. And Mm -hmm. so my body had a reaction to that too. Mm -hmm. And that there's no comparing. We can't compare suffering. Mm -hmm. Everybody has different levels of suffering and it's subjective, but it's can you walk with somebody in their suffering and respect the differences and that those are okay. Right. And that's something that you all shared this morning at Dimensions, which was, you know, that the Lord has really called you both to minister to in brokenness, both your own experiences, but also to those who are dealing with usually typically a very traumatic and life-changing event. Talk to me a little bit about what that's like. I mean, is Mm -hmm. that something that um, I imagine in some ways, like you said, it's sacred and Mm -hmm. precious, but Mm -hmm. in other times, I'm sure it's extremely difficult. It is in different ways. And I I know Matt can speak for um, some of the, the ministry that he does with soldiers um, and, and mine is a lot with spouses, and there is no greater of a, a sacred or a, no greater honor than to sit with someone in their pain. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, my my time sitting with a, who I call friends to this day, who are a lot of the wives who lost soldiers, was very difficult. And there is a great honor to sit with anybody who is in a broken place in their life and be willing to um, expose yourself to the grief and the suffering mm-hmm. and the pain that they're feeling. And sometimes that's the biggest ministry is just sitting with them in it. And um, this is a very vulnerable thing, but I, I know Matt and I often say that we feel most comfortable in the shadows mm-hmm. um, and being that safe people, mm-hmm. for people to be able to talk about what they're going through and to be secret keepers mm-hmm. to their pain. And then encouraging them when it's time and when they're ready on what it looks like maybe for them to move forward. So. Mm-hmm. I know for you working with soldiers, that's um, it's a very vulnerable and mm-hmm. um, honorable place to be. It's um, it's really hard to put into words. I've really I've thought several times. How do you communicate it? Um, hospital chaplains know it full well that when you're there at that moment of loss, there are no really any any words. Mm-hmm. I mean, and, and you're at a loss of words, and it can become uncomfortable but it seems as though the rest of the world around you just kind of slips away and you're right there with that human 
in I can only equate it to any time I've ever heard a description of the Holy of Holies where it is you tread very lightly and you just sit there with them. Some of the times and you can't even people so, go ahead. Uh, people often say, How do you do that? I don't know if I could do that. I don't know if I could hit th- sit through someone's story. I think you have to be creative to do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll be honest. Yeah. I I think you can develop skills that make you make you better at it. But I can look at my family background. I'm the grandson and son of retired police officers. Mm-hmm. It's it's all being a first responder is kind of the way that I've been raised, and I've always been comfortable. As my father said actually running into the fire than running away from it. It Mm. just is, that's where I work better Mm. uh, when something is actually more intense and and Mm -hmm. significant. Um, Being there in those sacred moments is my opportunity to just with my presence say that that you're not alone. Mm -hmm. And that's the, I mean, those moments of grief and loss are the loneliest places in the world. Mm -hmm. Even if you are with other people going through that grief, you are still alone because it is your very real and personal experience of it. And we all go through it when we lose family members. And yet, and we're a part of it. To be kind of on the outside, on the periphery, as a caretaker, as a helper, uh, as a chaplain, as a counselor, a therapist, um, gives you the opportunity to bring an objectivity as much as possible, even though I was going through loss the first two losses that we had downrange were very close to me. Mm-hmm. Um, great. Uh, one was an incredible friend, and then one was an, an amazing acquaintance that everybody would call his best friend. Mm-hmm. Um, so you had to deal with what was going on inside yourself and then also attend to it. But there was a growing process of going, you know what, if I'm feeling this, they're probably feeling it too. Mm-hmm. So let me just say the truth. Mm-hmm. That's awful. Mm-hmm. This feels like hell. Mm-hmm. This is nothing anybody anybody would wish mm-hmm. on someone else. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't a, oh, well, God needed them. Well, no, God didn't need them. God has no needs. Mm-hmm. God loves them. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't want that any of us should perish, but all should have mm-hmm. eternal lasting life. And in, in death is the result of sin in the world. Mm-hmm. They don't want to hear that, even though that's true. And you can bring that to bear later on. Mm-hmm. What they want to know is, I, am I alone and will this last forever? Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's just getting them to sleep, getting them to eat and getting them to walk mm-hmm. and getting out of what I call the blast radius. So I think when I shared this morning about breaking the plate that I had been mm-hmm. given a gift from a gold star widow, a friend of mine, um, that there's that first, it's kind of what it's like. Mm-hmm. It's like there's this devastation of something has broken and you're shocked Mm-hmm. And you're surprised and you didn't expect to like have this just moment of loss and brokenness. And where I think sometimes our culture can say, oh, well, it broke. So let's just throw it in the trash. There was that there's so much meaning there. I have to figure out what to do with it. Mm-hmm. And then you realize that sometimes it's not about what do you say. It's about saying nothing at all. Mm-hmm. And it's respecting that moment of of by me not saying anything at all, but by being a ministry of presence mm-hmm. that it's that's gathering the pieces together mm-hmm. that's this process of gathering the pieces together and then over time because you have a relationship with this person it's do these pieces come back together you'll never be the same but they can come back together and then what are we going to do with this once it's brought back together mm-hmm. and so i think it's it's incredible that that happened to me this week and then i think that it's incredible that Matt was like, this is what we're about. We're about mm-hmm. 
we're about to being about uh, being around broken people and how do we bring them and pull them back together because that's what god does with us right in in different ways right and, and so the last thing i'll say is don't wait for the quick there's no quick answer be willing to walk the long journey right because like i, I said a couple of times today none of this happens easy none of it happens mm-hmm. quick mm-hmm. we're a quick fix society we want something now we want closure now Closure is a lie. Mm-hmm. You're always going to have these moments where you go back to this major loss. Mm-hmm. But then how do you live out through that and mm-hmm. how do you grow from it? Absolutely. And I'm sure that many of the women and men that you all have comforted over the years have in turn ministered that same comfort to others that they've encountered. I mean, we do mm-hmm. that neat reciprocal effect mm-hmm. with the comfort we've received both from God and from those who walk aside uh, alongside mm-hmm. us in our valleys. Um, just hearing you all speak makes me think about this the scripture from Job where his friends were really effective in their ministry during that first week when they were just there. Mm-hmm. And they were just silent and they just sat with him. And it's so interesting when they started to speak, that's when Job said, I have seen the leanness of my ministry mm-hmm. in that the things that he thought he was doing and the things that he thought he was putting out there evidently were not coming back to him. And so um, it's very, very true. And I really do think that the, the ministry of presence is a great way to just mm. explain kind of what your calling is mm-hmm. and then also helping people see kind of the bigger picture. Mm-hmm. And like you said, how they can put that stuff back together. Um, you shared a little bit about your time at Gardner Webb this mm-hmm. morning, and I definitely want to get into that just a bit before we we close our time together. But the um, you all met here on campus, mm-hmm. and Corey, you shared very openly that you were involved with for about mm-hmm. two years with someone else, and it was not a very healthy relationship. Um, tell me a little bit about the steps that kind of led you two together, and then also how God used your time here mm-hmm. to set you up for the ministry that you have now. Well, definitely our time at Gardner Webb goes down as, as one of the most intense times of spiritual formation, mm-hmm. I think, for both of us. Um, and that was what God intended to do in our lives individually. Definitely the work of the professors that continue to be mentors to us even to this day, that we're in contact with those professors um, that have made such a huge difference in our life. Um, you know, God is all about writing stories. and. And Gardner Webb is a huge part of my story, and um, I think I went through a lot of normal things that a lot of students go through here, which is, you know, there's a lot of questions. What am I going to do? What am I going to have a job? Am I going to have a family? Am I going to find the man of my dreams? And mm-hmm. you know, I have best friends that thought surely they were going to find their man of the dream of their dreams here at Gardner Webb, and and God had something different in store for them. And so. Um, I would just say that for me, I think that I had a lot of insecurities about not knowing what I wanted to do and and what does it mean to be loved and treated with love. And um, I, Matt and I knew each other probably since freshman year, but we had very different opinions of each other when we first met each other. <laughs> um, we didn't. We said we didn't like each other, yeah. even though we were within the same circle of friends. Um, but we had a lot of growing up to do um, within those few short years. Yeah, I. I saw her as a power suit that was easily my for the first two years. And I was like, wow, you were way too t- type A. And he definitely wasn't taking school very seriously. No, I, think I, <laughs> I, I guarantee you I wore the same outfit to English every morning for my first semester. <laughs> so <laughs> needless to say, you know, there, there was a lot that changed by the time we um, were actually in the apartment buildings over there. And we were on the top floor and we were at like adjacent um apartments and so it was just going back and forth of barring sugar and 
And I just, he was such a funny guy and he brought laughter into my life. And I needed that at that point in my life. And I had already been through a couple relationships with great people um, that just were not God's best for me. Mm-hmm. And um, I think I needed to see that, number one, I, I Matt was this combination of everybody <laughs> that I had dated. God had just kind of said, you know, I, I put them in one person for you. Mm-hmm. And um, I it was one of those, we, we say all the time, we started to date, and then he came in one day and he said, you know, let's just make this work. Mm-hmm. You know, we've been through several relationships. Let's just let's just do this. Let's just make it work. And I said, okay. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of been our thing ever since. There's sometimes that relationships can be very emotional and feely and, mm-hmm. you know, but a lot of times it comes down to, you just got to make it work. And relationships are a lot of hard work. Mm-hmm. Um, but there is this foundation of safety and feeling at peace that this is the right person for you. And so for me, I was ready for it. I was ready for someone to be protective of me and make me laugh. I remember sitting around with some friends and I remember one of our friends saying, wow, at least she laughs at all of your jokes. Mm -hmm. And I think he needed that too. Um, Some affirmation there. Absolutely. (laughs) So I was ready for him and I was ready to work really hard. And we shared this at Dimensions that, you know, we were on a date at Italian Garden and we shared, you know, what do you, what do you think God wants you to do in your life? And we both said, we want to make a difference in marriages. Mm-hmm. And there was a, it was like a click right then. It was like, wow, here's somebody who's been given the same passion as me. We should, we should see where this goes. Right. Absolutely. What, yeah. What would you say? I still viewed her as a power suit. <laughs> <laughs> the thing that's amazing about her um, is, and it's continued to grow, is her, her discipline, her drive, her initiative, and her responsibility, it's, it's impeccable. It mm-hmm. challenges me. It, gr- it actually grows me up. There was a period definitely in the early years of our marriage where she was more mature and she challenged me to actually grow. And anybody that's familiar with systems therapy could probably guess how that happened. <laughs> but she uh, she really forced me to move out of a comfort zone. And I think the things definitely changed with me when I realized that more than just being called to be married, I'm called to be a caretaker of a daughter of God. Mm. And that can be scary, and it it is sometimes, because you realize I really have to do this well Mm -hmm. because this is God's daughter. Um, But it is also challenging, it's honorable, it's rewarding. It makes me me feel um, humble that I would be entrusted with with her heart and her well-being. So Mm. I, I always wanna do right by God, number one. If I can do right by God, number one, with her and her well-being, then I think everything else just kind of evens out. And uh, even if that's something that's not comfortable for her, uh, but it's something that God's calling us to do as a family, honoring him in that, casting vision for her and being patient with the process, those are those are not things that come easy. Those are learned skills, mm-hmm. but you need mentors to invest in you. So if this is the point where we give shout outs, I'm gonna give a shout out to Drew <laughs> and Camille Van Horn for mentoring us. Um, the time that we spent at Gardner Webb was specifically shaped by the prayer that uh, that I had on an almost daily basis with my roommates, with Joe Harwell, Larry Durham, and Tim Veek. Love you guys. And then going out to 434 Corn with Brooks Derrick, Santiago Espinoza, and uh, Stuart Green, and um, uh, Matty Parker, Sean Bruce, and Dave Byers. Those guys, they invested in me mm. and grew me up. That was my spiritual cloud of witnesses mm. that formed me into who I needed to be. So Surrounding we are who, yourself yeah. with the right people. Yes. Right? And I, I do want to say, 
because I got this question this morning and I knew I was going to get this question, um, which is a question on a lot of, I'll say, speak from the girls' perspective, mm-hmm. from a lot of the, the girls, which is um, trying to figure out during the dating process of how do I know if I've found someone who is a godly person? How mm-hmm. do I know if if they're doing the hard work mm-hmm. and if our relationships with God match? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, th- the only way I knew how to describe it to this, to this sweet girl, which I, there were several others that I mm-hmm. think were waiting to hear that answer too, is that our spiritual walk is a journey for mm-hmm. all of us. And I believe that God has a relationship with men in, in a same but different way that he has a relationship with girls. And so on one hand, we need to be careful to not give our hearts away too quickly. And I think that's what I learned at my time at Gardner-Webb is that I had gotten here and I gave my heart away too quickly mm-hmm. because I was excited to have somebody mm-hmm. like me and love mm-hmm. me. And and I gave my heart too quickly away. And so God intends for us to guard our hearts and to tread lightly and figuring out who are these people that I want to date and invite into my world. Mm-hmm. And so I think that... I just want to say, be ever mindful that my relationship with God, your relationship with God is going to look different from someone else's relationship with God. But we can start these conversations at the Italian garden or over coffee or wherever and have these conversations about what does your relationship with God look like? And maybe it doesn't need to look exactly like mine, Mm -hmm. um, but maybe we can start with the foundation of do we believe the same basic theological things Mm -hmm. about God? And that can be the starting place of um, our understanding of each other's relationship with God, and then respect that this is a life journey. This is not something that we're going to have figured out when we're an undergrad. Right. Right. Exactly. I think a lot of people expect that they're going to have their, like you said, dream job as soon as graduation. You get that certificate. You got the ring. You got the guy. You got your perfect we job. We were going to have the perfect, you know, godly marriage. Mm-hmm. And we stepped foot outside of Gardner Webb, not even knowing we needed a deposit for an apartment. Right. And we were like, oh, no, how do we do this? <laughs> we had no idea. So right. it's a journey. Absolutely. Now, as one final kind of send-off question, because I know you guys have another um, appointment to get to, the I just would love to get your take on if you were speaking to a student who was kind of considering Gardner-Webb as their possible place to come for undergrad, what would your what would you tell them? What would you what would your message be to them about this place and about the type of experience they would likely have here? Gardner-Webb still is home to us. It will always be home to us. We have said for years, just the opportunity to come back and walk the quad or just, it just brings back such a feeling of safety. And it was a place that I always felt safe and I felt ministered to, I felt prayed over, I felt cared for. It was exactly where God wanted me to be. Mm -hmm. And it definitely prepared us for life. Mm. For whatever it was that we were going to face, the spiritual formation that was here prepared us um, in a way that is so hard to articulate. Um, even going on to graduate school, we were over-prepared for graduate school. Papers were easy to write. We knew how to format things. We knew how to work hard. We knew and respected the process that we didn't realize so many other students coming into graduate school didn't know how to do. Mm-hmm. And so we have always said that our time at Gardner-Webb was taught us more about God and about relationships and about people more than any other school ever has even going into seminary. Mm. We are still best friends with our college friends. And that's not just because we all got along or have similar personalities, because we're all very different. 
thing that Gardner-Webb does extremely well that I haven't seen at other seminaries or even other Bible colleges that may be there, it prepares you to be a great human, an effective and successful human, godly human. I, I love prodeo et humanitate. That's what it does. I mean, it, it focuses on those two. You're, you have a relationship with God, and it wants to hone in on that. But you also have an obligation and a responsibility to humanity around you. And the tie that binds us to our best friends is a godly spiritual tie. I, I, I know right now, if I said, hey, I've got you know a pocket full of money. We're all going to go on a trip. We're going to go get in a cabin in the mountains, and we're going to sing praise songs. It's not because we're all like, you know, uber super spiritual, but because God runs so deep in our life. That's a river that just cuts right through the heart of all of us mm -hmm. that we have that tie that binds. And we have we have been iron that sharpens iron for the years following that. Mm -hmm. We have been the arms of comfort when I was deployed and our college friends are calling Corey from across the nation. How can we help? Mm -hmm. We have been the 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 sanctuaries for one another. And it is, it's incalculable, the difference that it's made in our life. When you're choosing college, don't go to college just where you're going to have fun. Mm. You can find a million places where you are going to go have fun and support a, a you know, you know, uh, all, all kinds sports of team. crazy athletic sports teams. I love the sports teams at Gardner Webb. The great thing about that is like, it's not just about sports. How does sports make you a better human? Mm. How does your classroom experience make you a better human? How does the spiritual formation make you a better human into the fullness of what God created you to be? And now go into the world and do that. I, The fact that I'm going to have lunch with Susan Carlisle Bell, and I, I mean, I had to hug her this morning. <laughs> As a work-study student, she invested in me with my love for the arts with my love for God. And it was the, the, the people at Gardner-Webb invest in you, not just so that you pass a grade or, or that they, you know, get a book written or that they have, you know, great Jerry, whatever. They invest in you because you're the person right in front of them. Mm. And that makes all the difference in the world. We, you can't buy that. We could give you a huge list of the professors that made a difference in our life. Oh, mm -hmm. um, but I can tell you that they prayed for us. They it wasn't just a teachable place. Mm -hmm. It was, I went to these people for wisdom. I sat in their offices. I talked with them about my life, mm -hmm. and they were there for me. Mm -hmm. And all of our professors were there for us during our years at Gardner Webb, and even after Gardner Webb, mm -hmm. we could still email them, call them, and say this life is hard and we didn't realize it was this hard on the outside and they were still there for us. Mm -hmm. And so um, it will always, Gardner Webb will always hold an incredibly dear place in our heart. That's wonderful. Now, if someone were wanting to know more about your ministry, can you direct them to your website? Yeah. So I have a website. It's coreyweathers.com. It's C-O-R-I-E. <laughs> Weathers like the weather outside with an S. So coreyweathers.com, one R. We also have a website called enlivenmarriage.com, and we um, basically wrote a curriculum. It's a marriage study that's very easy to do, and we've actually had people ask us, you know, can we do that if we're engaged? And we say, absolutely. Mm -hmm. It's It delves into different topics than you would typically address in marriage work um, or preparing you for marriage, and that's enlivenmarriage.com. And then we lastly have a third website, which is insightc2.net. It stands for Insight Care and Connection which is a little bit more about our marriage ministry with the military, where there's blogs with Matt talking about what it's like to work with soldiers and encouraging soldiers. 
Um, and my blog is also on CoreyWeathers.com. And then we actually both have podcasts as well. So I have Life Giver Military Spouse podcast, and he has Daily Grit that's just launched, and that's for uh, mil- military ministry. So um, lots of ways that you can find us on Facebook and Twitter, and you can find us all on those websites. Wonderful. And we'll make sure that we provide a link to people, too, if they're listening to our lovely interview here today so that they can get to it. So Matt and Corey Weathers, thank you so much for your time. Thank you. Thank you. We're both inspirational. And I'm so glad that I had finally got a chance to meet you face-to-face. Yes. <laughs> and hopefully we'll get a chance to connect again soon when you're back on campus since you're only going to be just a couple hours away now. So. Yes. <laughs> Matt and Corey Weathers, thank you. For WGWG.org, I'm Nikki Bliss Carroll.